Well, welcome back to Sophomoros. Um, this is Jacob here. Uh, I had a quick thought that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, I was thinking about what allows us in all sincerity to trust in God enough to move into obedience. So, you read the New Testament, and it seems that the things that God calls us into through Christ are things that we would not feel that we had maybe the confidence or the safety net to do in and of our own desires. And oftentimes, what keeps us back from that obedience is that we do not feel like we actually are safe to do so. Uh, And so I thought about this actually a long time ago. I had this kind of revelation that um, prayer, sorry, heavy pop there, prayer is the um, mechanism by which we are maintained in our walk with God. Um, That the reason why we are able to let's say, give to all who beg of us, that we're able to tell the truth without fear of consequences, uh, that we are able to um, stand up to authorities um, and and submit ourselves to authorities, uh, both, is that, and, and all the other things that we're called to, um, the reason we're able to do those things is because God has chosen to be there for us. The reason, in a nutshell, that we're able to love our neighbor, to be there for our neighbor, to sacrifice ourselves for our neighbor, or what we've been given to our neighbor uh, for the sake of our neighbor, is because God has sacrificed himself for us. He's bound himself to us to a degree. And so I was thinking just today about, um, about calling and how each of us have been called to a certain manifestation of kingdom reality, that we are to fix our sights on the development um, of the kingdom of God in our homes or in our workplaces, in our church groups, in unreached communities, uh, all kinds of environments. We're to foster the kingdom. Um, to sow seeds of the good news uh, in different ways. And that can be a scary endeavor, um, but it is something that we have been all, I think, called to do through the Great Commission and, and just through being the body of Christ, the, the living corpus um, through which the will of God is done on earth, um, at least when we are acting properly. Um, we are often not, though. And I was thinking about the idea of calling upon God. And it dawned on me that it might just be that in the Hebrew, in the Greek, the word for calling in either sense is is the same. That we have been called by God and that we have been given the privilege by God to call upon him. Um, And so... This is just a thought that I was having, and I and so I went and looked it up. And from a couple of examples that I was able to find, um, when David speaks of calling on the name of the Lord, 
um, he speaks with the the word kara, kara, which is the same as um, as the word for calling. Um, you know, God proclaiming to or calling somebody um, in in his interactions with them. And so, God karas, and we kara on God, um, and uh, in the same sense, uh, there's very few moments where calling is used towards God um, or with the direct object of God uh, in the New Testament, it seems. However, there's a few places, and especially it's used on the, like, calling on the name, right? Um, and uh, it is, uh, I think it's epikaleo is the word. Um, I might be misremembering. Something like epikaleo, and kaleo would be the word for calling, Um for our, uh, for, for our vocations, right? When God calls us, he kaleos us, and we epikaleo, or call upon him. And so I was just reflecting on that reality that we oftentimes think of ourselves on, as on our own uh, in regard to God, um, and that we have to bear the full burden of the cross, of, of the call, of the vocation that he's laid on us, of the mission that he's called us to, and that we actually have no recourse with God. Um, and I think this is because um, we are a people who are not very committed in general to prayer. Um, I think prayer is very difficult for us. I think for me, like in my own life, I know that I've, uh, I tend to um, shy away from prayer. Um, I, I try to pray quickly. I try to get it over with. And I would say, on the whole, I don't put a ton of trust in the results of prayer. I don't trust that God will actually answer my prayers. Um, I think of it more of like a psychological or cognitive exercise where it's teaching me to let go or whatever else. But I actually think that there is like, um, pardon the mystical here, but I actually believe that God is is committed to answering our prayers. I think otherwise, he would not have used such blatant and explicit language in Christ when speaking about prayer that we could ask anything in his name and it would be given to us. Um, and in the, all of the variants of ways that he's, he says that throughout the Gospels, there's like five or six different ways that he formulates that. Um, it seems to me that, that God was not in the, um, in the business of, of uh, writing stipulations you know, uh, you can pray for whatever you want, um, and ask whatever you wish, and if I feel like it, I'll give it to you, or if it aligns with everything else I'm doing already, I'll give it to you. And if we are to take that as true, that it's only when it's in line with what God is already doing, I think it's a very, first off, it's a very simplistic understanding of what God is doing. If we read the scriptures, um, especially in the Old Testament, there are so many stories in which people's prayers are answered and and their prayer being answered even though it it very it has very little to do with um maybe the the overarching um like salvific work of god in history right the the missio dei um as we would we would commonly historically trace it right uh, even though it doesn't have to do with these massive movements or these big boulders in the in the life of um, of faith, uh, 
that God actually finds time to answer these prayers. And I don't think that he's just answering those prayers because it just happens to be something that, that you know, would be easy enough for him to answer either. Um, I don't think there's anything that holds God back from weaving into the, the narrative of um, salvific history the prayers that we pray um, specifically and in all of their idiosyncratic and um, unique uh, and almost beside the pointness, right? Um, because oftentimes I think our prayers look like and are colored by a very human um, concern for our daily well-being. But if that's the case, I think that like Jesus saying, give us today our daily bread as a part of the Lord's prayer is an invitation to pray for things that are, um, I think the Greek word is epiousion, right? It's the, the, the things that are, um, the things that are daily, the things that are, that are, um, commonplace and mundane like bread. Um, he really sets the sets the bar there for us um, of how important he, he thinks our prayers need to be, right? So, you know, I, I think, you know, I've heard myself say and I've heard other people say things like, well, I feel silly praying for this, but here's this thing that we could be praying for. And, uh, <laughs> and th- that sentiment in and of itself is so blatantly against the Lord's prayer and the sense of prayer that God gives uh, in Christ, to the church. I, I think that, um, like Matthew six is a great example of this, like the, the feeding of the birds, the clothing of the lilies, right? Like food and clothing are endemic to our, our lives. And, and we need these things. Um, you know, the, it's the, it's the, the son who asks, um, for an egg and is not given a rock, um, uh, or, or a loaf and is not given a rock and an egg is not given, um, a serpent or a scorpion, right? There's, there is, there are, um, I think that there are guarantees that God gives us, or at least postures of care that God gives us. I think that's a, that's a, a change that, um, my pastor over me, one of my pastors over me at, at my church, uh, or my, kind of my boss, my overseer, uh, gave me at one point is, is it's not so much that God guarantees that he will provide for every little thing that we ask for, but that he shows through the ways that he talks about it, that he cares about all those things. And that is the baseline of his care is those mundane things. Um, so anyhow, um, I, I do think that, 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 that mundanity, the things that are small, the things that are, um, that we think are, are not worthwhile to pray about or that are silly to pray about, or, or even that feel selfish to pray about, right? Um, now, I think a good way of going about that and, and finding a way to to broaden it beyond selfishness, which is, can be a common trap for the churches um, and, and something that every once in a while comes to mind for me when I'm not a heathen in my prayers, um, is to pray for those who are in a similar position to me. So um, if I feel like I'm doing financially poorly um, and I'm praying for God to like help me out with uh, my finances a little bit and uh, provide more for me in that direction, um, then I'll also lift up a prayer maybe, um, again, when I'm not a heathen in my prayers, which is pretty uncommon, but, um, I'll lift up a prayer for those around me who might also be struggling, um, when I'm on a walk and it's very cold and I'm, I'm praying just to keep warm. Um, I might also pray for those who are, 
um, in a much worse situation out on the streets maybe um, or who are unable to escape, escape the cold. Um, so that's a way of kind of broadening it into the us and not just the me uh, that prayers can often become um, and to reflect deeper the, the us that is is there embedded in the Lord's Prayer. You know, give us today our daily bread, not me today, my daily bread, um, even though the me is included within the us. Um, so, okay, so backing up a little bit. I think it's wild, and I think it teaches us something about the character of God, that as God sits and calls on us, even though he could do all of the work himself, I mean, there's really nothing that we are called to do by God that God could not do himself. Um, even though God calls us and could do any of the work that he's given us, right? None of it would be too difficult for him. Um, not, none of it fits within human specialty. He does call us to it. And I think that that first off shows a desire to cooperate with humankind, to, part- to, to invite mankind into the part. Uh, into into participation uh, in God's works, um, which is a slow rebuilding of what um, what was taken away from us in the garden, um, the the participation in divinity, right? Um, the um, the the work that we were given to do there. But I also think it's wild, and it shows an even deeper level of humility on the part of God that it's not just that God is. Um, you know, as I think, I think Bart would say it this way: it's not just that um, we are God's people, but that God has chosen us. I'm sorry, has chosen Himself as our God. That He's, um, in a sense, elected us as His people, and has also guaranteed and committed Himself to us as our God. And this is one of one of the things that that means, um, and and again, not just father, or not just God, but but also father, right? Not just God, not just um, you know Deus absconditus or absconditus, right? Not not just the a, like a a, a God um, that is far far away, not a deistic God that um, that is difficult to understand, um, is imperceptible, impersonal. Um, you know, you hear this kind of this feeling uh, the, that also comes, I guess, with the with the detachment that that God then has towards us. Um, when you hear people talk about the positive energy and the universe, and I feel like there's a force out there and a power, it's all a vague way of attempting to to break the yoke um, that a real God might have on us, and that we might then and and the the result, the sad result of that is that we might we we don't really have any yoke on that God either, other than. A, a hope that all things lead towards the positive for that God, but um, there's a a portrait in my in my um, office at church that has um, it's it's a paint it's a drawing done one of the prints done by by Scott Erickson who is Scott the painter I think on Instagram um, and it's one of his older works and and one that just intrigues me and I keep finding myself looking at it's a it's uh, the calling of Peter, and it's it's Christ giving Peter the keys to the kingdom, um, and underneath the two figures of Peter and Jesus, who are um, you know standing side by side, and and this whole exchange is taking place. Um, there is a yoke 
underneath them, um, like just a, just floating underneath them, and I think as a symbol. And in one, um, one of the, it, it's like a, it's an old-fashioned oxen yoke. So if you've never seen an oxen yoke, basically, uh, the way that it would work is there was this big, um, kind of think about it like wooden stiff handcuffs for your neck. Um, so one of the loops would go around one of the oxen and the other loop would go around the neck of the other oxen. And it was often used to try to break in, um, new oxen and, um, and also, uh, to try to pair the speed of the two oxen together so that it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like one oxen, one of the, one of the oxen was like dragging the other one behind uh, or was going faster than the other one. It was a way to tie the two of them together. Um, and so there's an, uh, or there's, there's a yoke, uh, around, um, around, uh, floating underneath Jesus and Peter and in underneath Jesus's side of the yoke, there is, uh, the symbol for the Trinity and underneath the Peter, the Peter's side of the yoke, there is, uh, a little inscription of the world and you have so there you have um in this this giving of the keys to the kingdom you have god uh, in christ yoking himself to the world um which is now under the church under peter right um, the the one who he's given the king keys to the kingdom of and all of the the, the theology around that is could be a whole nother conversation about how the world relates to the church and and all that but I do. What I love about that is it, it it communicates a mutual yoking. It's not just that that we are yoked to God and carried at His speed. Um, we are not uh, merely dragged along by God in all of His adventures and um, bearing in our very frail and, and limited bodies the 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 damages incurred by by a divine adventure or a divine mission. Um, but rather that God has chosen to care for us that part of his mission is restoring a trust in his care um, a trust in his providence a trust in his um, in his love for us um, and so uh, really before we are yoked to, to God by our love God um, yokes himself to us by his love um, it, you know we, we are we we love because we were first loved right um, and, uh, I think that's the, the essence of all of this is that as we learn, and, th- and this has been the case in my life, when I, the more that I've grown confident, whether through experiences or through, um, baby steps of trust and obedience, the more that I've become confident that God loves me, the more that I've been able to walk in some sort of love of God. Um, and my love is very small and shallow for God, um, because I am uh, a very self-centered person, I think, um, at, my, at my root. But I do think that as my life has gone on, the more that I know that God is, is committed to me, the more I feel a freedom and a peace to commit myself to God. And in the same way, um, I feel uh, I feel that you know, as God has called me, so I can call upon God. Um, as God has asked me to 
do certain things. I can ask him to do certain things. And and again, this is not this is not a um, natural relationship. I don't think between, or at least it's not a it's not an earned relationship. It's not like I I earned my way towards these things. Um, uh, I I think I'm far from any merit that might um, you know guarantee me that. But I I think um, I think rather it's it's Christ that has that has adopted me into this relationship with God where I'm able to look to God as a father, right? That, I mean, that's that's maybe the best example of it is is that um, a child is instructed and um, is and demedi- or, I'm sorry, obedience is demanded of, of them by the parent, right? Um, however, the parent in doing so has already established for years um, at some of the most pivotal years that they are the provider and the caregiver of these child they, they are the guardian um, uh, this child of this child so I think the more that we can see that relationship unfold a similar relationship of God having loved us first and therefore us being safe to love God and to love and to do what God asks of us which is to love our neighbor which is beautiful in and of itself Um I think that's uh, I think I think that's the the essence of the divine and human relationship and the you could say the partnership or camaraderie there it's the it's the slow maturing of a child under under a, a, a father though with for us I'm unsure that we'll ever fully be able to love God as God has loved us um, that may just be too much for us um, so thanks for listening to this episode of sophomores um if you have any questions comments pushbacks on this um go ahead and email us at uh official at gmail.com that's s-o-p-h-o-m-o-r-o-s official at gmail.com and as always may christ be exalted